Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. SoupX, the Startup Expo, North America's premier startup conference, is March 6th and 7th, 2017, in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Affordably priced, SoupX is a two-day international conference featuring workshops, panels, speeches, a $50,000 startup competition, and over 100 exhibitors. For more information, go to sup-x.org. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Brian Nickerson. He's the CEO and co-founder at Magic Links. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what, what you're doing with Magic Links is really interesting and, and cool and innovative. But maybe before we kind of get into exactly what Magic Links is, let's get to know you a little bit better and kind of start off with where you grew up. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was young, I grew up in uh, in Piedmont, California, which is in the East Bay, okay. um, outside of San Francisco. Sure. Um, and then around high school time, I moved down to Southern California to Pasadena. Oh, okay. Um, Very cool. That both so nice areas in California. They're great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a fifth fifth generation Californian on my dad's side, so a lot of a uh, lot of roots uh, here in Cali. Really, that's great. Most most people you meet in California actually aren't from California. So, <laughs> at least in my experience, anyway. I spent some time down I think in, that's right. in LA um, in 2004. I was down there for like five, six months. And so it's just funny because you're like, oh, where are you from? And they were like from some other part of the world. And I always found that kind of fascinating about Los Angeles is you get so many people, well, even California in general, you get so many people from kind of all over the world, like in one state. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's great. It's a melting pot. And um, I mean, I think, you know, I've lived in uh, 10 states around the country. Sure. Um, and people are always fascinated, I feel like, by California. And the like, I mean, obviously, the weather is great out here. Yeah. Um, and, and the landscape and, you know, even like traveling around the world, there's other like I've been on the coast of Italy. And people ask where I'm from. And I say Santa Monica. And they're like, why did you travel all around the world when you have the most beautiful beaches? you know, in the world, in Santa Monica, or outside, sure. like up and down the California coast. Like, it's it's a special place, for sure. That That's great, man. So, kind of, you, you grew up and born and raised in California. Um, you spent some time kind of playing playing sports and baseball. Do you, do you kind of want to walk me through kind of your 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 career playing baseball? Yeah, um, I would love to. Uh, so... I, I mean, I, I, um, so I played, played baseball at Dartmouth. Okay. Um, and, um, had a, had a great career there. And, uh, you know, um, my first year uh, as a freshman, I was actually named freshman all American. Oh, wow. Um, and had, I had the third highest batting average in the country as a freshman. Wow. Um, That's incredible. And, and really it, hard to yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and I, and, but I also had challenges. So my, my sec, my sophomore year, I blew up my knee in the, in the first game of the season. Oh, that sucks. Um, and really kind of battled with, I had, uh, five knee surgeries through college, um, in my sophomore and junior year. So I had, you know, kind of started off really hot and then had, you know, some struggles that I needed to go through. And then, um, once my knee was finally healthy, my junior and senior year, I had a really, you know, both those years were really good. And, um, 
uh, you know, won, won a number of awards and our team did well. And then um, I was fortunate enough to be drafted by the Dodgers coming out of school. Sure. Um, and that was really, you know, so I actually, growing up in the Bay Area, I grew up a Giants fan. Sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, had to quickly change my allegiance to uh, the Dodgers. Sure. Um, but uh, that was, you know, just such a dream come true, too. Of Like, ever since I was young, I knew, you know, I wanted, I, I dreamed of playing professional baseball. Um, and when that opportunity came up, it was, it was uh, really special and one I was dying to pursue. Sure. So you, you played baseball for a number of years. Um, you eventually got out of baseball. Um, you've worked for some huge brands. So do you maybe kind of want to walk me through your, you know, post-baseball career in, in kind of the internet startup space? Sure. Um, so uh, most interestingly, right after baseball, I worked for a company, Avery Dennison. Sure. Um, and while I was there, one of my, I was in a rotational program and one of the jobs I had was manufacturing was um, managing a shift at a stop sign manufacturing plant. Okay. Um, and so when, what I learned in that was everything, well, one, I didn't want to do manufacturing. <laughs> sure. Well, that's a very good uh, lesson, right? You learn what you want, like to do and don't want to do. Yes. That's very, very important in life. But I think we focus so many times on what we want to do, totally. but the, what we don't want to do is just as important. Um, and and uh, but what I found is that all of my projects at Avery, which is really a you know kind of um, traditional manufacturing company, sure. Um, and and there's there's some technology, but it's not fast moving technology um, like the internet is. And I and I found all of my projects were basically bringing new technology into manufacturing lines, um, and most of it was around data. Sure. So you have a manufacturing plant, you have, you know, all these machines and systems that have been designed to, you know, create a product, create a bunch of raw materials and turn it into a stop sign. Um, but if you can actually measure and have data that tells you that, you know, what's happening at different stages of that process, um, you can sort of make more stop signs better, faster. Sure. Um, and so that was really that experience. And a stop sign manufacturing plant is what made me say, okay, I love the technology piece of this, but I don't love the manufacturing part of it. Um, and it was just natural to move into the internet. So um, my first role was with uh, Yahoo. Sure. Um, as a financial analyst in their, um, primarily in their search and display advertising teams. Um, and so that, you know, just a really cool way to learn about, um, you know, how business is conducted on the internet at scale, um, how advertisers can generate an ROI from their activities and kind of how publishers, um, earn income. Um, and Yahoo, you know, at the time and probably still is, is, you know, certainly like a top 50 internet property, sure. um, maybe top 25. And so, um, you know, the, the ways that, you know, the kind of scalability of, advertising systems that we were building um, was really, you know, an amazing learning experience for me. Sure. And I, I always, this isn't really relevant, but I always remember their huge ad on like Sunset Boulevard in, in uh, LA. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. think it's there anymore, correct? I don't think so. Yeah. 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 It's um, Yahoo's, you know, I saw an interesting thing. I, I love Yahoo. I love my time there, but it was like 
Yahoo tried to acquire Google for one million very early on. Yeah, yeah. Then they realized their mistake and tried to acquire them for like three billion, and Google wanted five billion, and Yahoo said no. <laughs> and then now Google's worth like five hundred billion, and Yahoo just sold for five billion. So the the world turns in interesting ways. Yeah, no, totally. So, yeah, no, it, it's fascinating to me, right? Because you're right. Like, I just remember kind of 2004 going up and down sunset some days. And, you know, you always saw that like big thing. And then, you know, like a decade later, it's just gone, right? And you're like, wow. Right. Like, you know, because isn't, and I, I could be totally wrong, but isn't like advertising on like the Sunset Strip, like one of the most expensive ad buys kind of globally or, or something like that? I, I could be wrong, but it's like obviously really expensive. Yeah, I would. So I was in an interesting conversation about this now because you right now, many of the billboards are YouTube stars. Sure. Uh, on, on Sunset. Um, and so like, why is that? Right. Because YouTube in many ways represents a threat to you know, traditional movies and traditional television. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, I think one thing that's interesting and maybe why that ad space is so expensive is because of the decision makers that you have at studios that are driving up and down that street every day. Ah, interesting. So, so it, it might be like, it's not the volume of people, you know, but if you're getting, if like, you know, if it's like Spielberg and Lucas and any number of like top, you know, directors and producers and people at the largest media companies in the world, maybe that's why it's so expensive. Sure. And I, I never thought of that, but that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and that it's kind of ties into why you created Magic Links. But maybe before we get into that, like you, you've had a couple other kind of jobs before you, um, you know, founded Magic Links. So maybe let's cover that and then we'll, we'll kind of tie everything back in once we get there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So after, um, I, I left Yahoo to join a company called Internet Brands. Yeah. Um, and Internet Brands was originally Cars Direct, uh, so it came out of uh, Idea Lab, right? Um, a, a Pasadena-based company, and um, uh, really had you know just a fascinating role at Internet Brands. Um, I, my job was to build their shopping division. Sure. Um, and so, um, the company which was born. Cars Direct was, you know, born as Cars Direct, which fundamentally provided information for consumers so they could can transact and buy a car online. Right. Um, which in 1998 or 1999 was absolutely revolutionary. We think of it, you know, now you do it, or you can almost do it through an app. Um, but at the time, that was revolutionary. Totally. And so the comp the company basically said, you know, if our our core mission is is really about information for consumers to transact online and so we can build out different verticals of content um, around that kind of core value proposition right so so my role was acquiring websites in the kind of shopping and e-commerce space and then running those um, and so that was fascinating right and especially as a budding entrepreneur so my group did 17 deals um, over a three-year period. So it was wow. like almost once every three months we were acquiring a new business. Wow, that's um, a lot. And then, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> you were our, busy. Our corp dev, <laughs> I was busy. Our corp dev team was busy. Everyone. <laughs> everyone sure, was busy. sure. Um, and, uh, and, and we, um, you know, so, so then I would also manage the transition post-acquisition. So, Many times, you know, I'd be working directly with the entrepreneur of the company we had bought. Sure. Um, and that entrepreneur would be 
slowly winding down their involvement in the business. Sometimes it'd be over, you know, three months and sometimes it'd be over two years. Um, but I, I, it, as a person who wanted to become an entrepreneur, it was what a great experience to work with, you know, 17 different entrepreneurs, all with a different take of how they had built their business online. Um, you know, how they thought about kind of growing audience and growing advertiser relationships, what they'd done from a technical perspective. And then, you know, um, so it was just a really good learning base. And then, and then my challenge was to kind of tie together all these um, assets in, in different classes and, and, you know, kind of make one and one equal four. Sure. Um, and uh, so I was, a, you know, yeah, I got really, you know, earned my kind of entrepreneurial sea legs through that experience um, and through managing, you know, several businesses and building a tech platform for, to support all of them and, and, you know, being fortunate to, build a team of people that um, could help us execute and, and grow uh, those businesses after acquiring them. Sure. No, that's great. And then you, you left there and you decided to kind of um, co-found uh, Magic Link. So do you want to maybe kind of walk me through what exactly is Magic Links and kind of why did you decide to, to start this thing up? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so we were getting into YouTube stars before. So uh, well, it was I'll, like the I'll perfect segue, with... right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so Magic Links empowers creators, primarily on YouTube, sure, um, with tools for authentic social commerce. Okay. And so what that means is we make it really easy for a creator to curate products that they love. Um, share those links with their fans and then earn extra income when their fans shop. Got you. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a way it meets really two big problems that creators have is, you know, creators today want to stay authentic. Yep. Um, and that's how they built their brand and how they built their relationship with their audience. Um, but they also want to earn income from the influence that they have. Um, sure. And right now, most of those opportunities are either through direct sponsorship deals with advertisers, which many times can feel very inauthentic. Yeah. Um, and and that can be like a big problem, right? Or maybe if they're publishing on YouTube, they get some ad dollars from YouTube. Um, but it's nothing like if they were a television star. Yeah, very much so. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So <clears throat> I'm kind of curious. Walk me through the process of kind of like – Take just I guess use me as kind of the guinea pig. Like walk me through how I use Magic Links to kind of monetize my content. Yeah. So say, um, uh, so 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 what's what's amazing about Magic Links, I think, and why I think this is a really big idea, is that it applies to any content creator, and it's really the imagination of the content creator that drives what happens. Okay, interesting. Um, so we're, we're a tool that kind of supports that imagination. Um, so, so for you, um, let's, say, let's say, Kevin, right, you had a special speaker that you used to record a podcast. Sure. Um, and there are those, I forget the name of them, but do you know those like ball speakers? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. A, it looks like totally. a, yeah. Um, so say, so your fans, your fans are watching your content, they're engaging with it, um, some of them might want to emulate your success as a broad broadcaster and as a creator of, of um, podcast content. Sure. And they would naturally have a question, Hey Kevin, what, how do I do this? Like, what's my, 
what do you, what do you use? Yep. Um, and I've had that question so, before too. And I've sent them just an email with that link or list of gear. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, exactly. And so in that case, you are basically, um, well, one, how many fans have that question and don't ask? Sure. Or do ask and you, uh, you have a lot of emails and you're doing a, you know, doing a solid and kind of sharing that information, but maybe you're not able to respond, right? So yep. there's that breakage in the moment of, of, um, moment of inspiration. Yep. Um, and then two, if you've, if you've told your fan, you know, here's, here's where that speaker is sold, you know, at Crutchfield or at Newegg or at Best Buy or at Walmart, um, you're basically advertising for that brand. Sure. You're, you're, you're taking your trust and you're telling a fan or a person or a friend, um, you know, here's that product and here's the store I would actually recommend that you buy it from. Sure. Um, and so, um, if, if you earn money as that, if a, someone chooses to buy, um, that seems like a great kind of deal all the way around. You provided a service to the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you provided a new customer to the retailer. Um, and then, and the retailer has received, you know, a benefit of someone new who's shopping at their store. Um, so we really see it as like a win, 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 um, for, for, uh, you know, for all parties involved. Totally. No, that makes a lot of sense. So one question I do have for you, though, is do you have to get a bunch of retailers on board or you guys just kind of handle that or, or, or kind of how do you go about actually getting me my like commission or, or whatever for, you know, if somebody does buy? Yeah, absolutely. So and it's a great question. And I think, you know, one of the things, so some creators have heard about affiliate marketing. Yeah. Um, some haven't. Um, and, and I think a lot of times affiliate as a channel gets a bad rap. Agreed. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. And I, and I think, I think there's some, some really valid reasons for it. Um, and, and we're trying to change that conversation, right? We're trying to, we're trying to take, understand why people have been frustrated with it and create a much better experience. Right. Um, because I think it really is, it has the, op- it has the potential to solve some problems in a really, you know, kind of profound and unique way. Um, and so one of the challenges that creators have is like, how do I get a relationship with a retailer? Um, what are the terms of that relationship? Um, you know, how do I kind of, uh, earn, how, how do I earn a commission if I do send a sale? Yep. Um, and so what we're constantly doing is a number of things. Um, one, we are reaching out to advertisers and bringing them on board uh, Magic Links and basically becoming partners for creators to have access to. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, and, and so the idea is, you know, where we want it to be is as a creator, you can kind of link to any product at any store online and earn a commission anywhere. Right. Um, and as we build up to that, there's a lot of education for retailers. So you know, some retailers get it right away, um, especially new, like newer retailers that have launched in the last four or five years and are kind of built, they understand the power of influencer marketing and kind of creators at an early phase, you know, creators on um, Instagram or on YouTube or on Facebook. And so some brands have fully embraced it. Sure. Um, and then other brands maybe have not. Um, and they'll have, you know, different concerns about that channel. And so, our, at Magic Links, right, our challenge is 
reach out to those advertisers, um, negotiate on behalf of creators. Um, in some cases, it's educating the brands on what, what's going on on YouTube. Yep. Um, and I've heard everything, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure. um, literally, you know, some brands you have the conversation and they're like, well, we're starting to create content on YouTube and we want to like own everything and kind of control everything. Um, and so in those cases, we're educating the brand of like, okay, that's great. People are, you know, some people are going to watch your video, but there's also a hundred thousand people who are using your products and talking about your products. Yep. Um, and um, what if what if fans when they watch those videos were a click away from your store instead of you know several steps of remember it maybe search for it what was the brand where is it what's the color um, any friction for a fan these days is really you know for you know you lose that moment of inspiration um, from a purchase and so we're trying to we're trying to help retailers capture that moment of inspiration by being there and being present and being a curated um, you know part of uh the experience of, of a video yeah no that that makes a lot of sense and like part of part of the reason um i want i reached out to you to be on the show was was a selfish reason because obviously i'm creating content right and we're creating content mm -hmm. even right now and and you know like it, it you're right like it, it's tricky for people like myself whether it's you know trying to reach out to people or um you know trying to find stuff to actually potentially promote and not make it sound like you're just trying to like sell it to somebody all the time. And then sometimes it's just even like not even having the time to do it. Right. Like people are busy, mm -hmm. you know, like I work full time and, and do this as well. And so it, it's like when, when I found you guys and, and reached out to you, I was like, wow, I, like me personally, I could really use this right for, for kind of what <laughs> I'm doing on, on the show and, and like, I also read for another blog. And so like I'm creating content in a bunch of different mediums. And I was like, wow, I, I really need to have uh, like yourself and you guys on the show. Right. And so I, I think it's great what you guys are doing. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's interesting to me, your comment about um, when we were talking about Yahoo and like the billboards on, on sunset, like it's interesting now that YouTube creators are putting themselves kind of in this physical, like almost the medium that they were, that they're killing off a bit right to mm -hmm. go back to being online so they right. can promote stuff back to people right and i think that's fascinating to me and that you guys are kind of connecting that those dots and those creators because to a lot of people and i, I read a study a while ago that was saying that to certain age ranges specifically like younger kind of teenagers that if you ask them about some of the biggie, biggest movie stars of kind of like, say, Generation X or even some of the older mm -hmm. millennials, that like if you were if you named like Leonardo DiCaprio or like John Travolta or like guys that like everybody knows, a lot of them mm -hmm. would say that this YouTube star would be way bigger than any of those movie stars that like, you know, that we would think are, are huge. And I'm yeah. 33, right? And I'd be like, well, no, I never even heard of that YouTube guy. But like they're in, in a teenager's mindset, they're way bigger and way more popular and way more influential. And I think the fact that these guys are going to the one of the most expensive advertising platforms on the planet in, in the physical space and, and trying to bring them back kind of to the Internet. I think a lot of the brands that you guys are maybe having having struggles kind of trying to tell their story, I think 
it's just a matter of time and it's probably less than probably it's probably months away where they're starting to think like oh wow like this is actually happening and we need to you know actually work with with you guys to to help this because it's a real thing now and if they didn't think that i think even just those billboards kind of validate everything your guys are doing right i could i would love to uh I wonder what the equivalent in terms of like brand concentration is, right? So Sunset is all is is a lot of studio executives. Sure. I would like to have some billboard signs up near where uh, you know retail executives drive. Yeah. Maybe that's like Chicago, San Francisco, and New York or something to help help broaden that. But um, sure, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, and I and I think you know, so if you're if you're a brand today. Um, or really like, and when I say brand, like any online retailer that's selling anything, sure. Um, Amazon has to be forefront of your mind. Yeah. Um, and and Amazon is you know such a powerful force, right? They have these three tiers of value that they deliver on. So price, you know, you're going to get a good price, if not the cheapest, pretty you know a fair low price. Yep. Um, delivery. So, you know, you're going to get really fast delivery. And that's the one that I think, you know, most, almost anyone who sells online, it's really tough to compete with Amazon Prime. Yeah, very much um, so. And then three, three is selection, right? So there's, you know, the, the product catalog on Amazon, I think is well over 100 or 200 million SKUs. So um, though, though, that's very hard to compete with. Even, you know, even you see Walmart, um, Walmart in brick and mortar, obviously, has a you know is much much larger than Amazon in a physical presence space, but has really struggled online, and sure. I think that's part of why they bought Jet.com. Um, oh, interesting! So, I didn't know they um, bought them. That's actually really interesting. Yeah, that's that's um, fairly recently, um, and uh, you know, Jet has grown really fast, and obviously is a is a competitor to um, Amazon. Um, Sure. But I think, you know, um, knowing that that context is the lens through which a retailer today has to compete um, in the online world, um, the brands that really seem to be, you know, I think making, um, you know, growing really quickly, especially young brands are the ones who are embracing, you know, influencers and embracing alternative channels. It's not even alternative, but just embracing these channels. The only reason I say alternative is because people used to think it was all search um, or all display ad driven. Um, And those are still large and very valuable channels. But this, this generation of consumer, um, you know, they're, they're on their mobile device. Um, They're not watching, you know, as you say, right. They're not watching movies. They don't know who Leonardo DiCaprio is, or if they know that Leonardo DiCaprio is like, you know, kind of distant, yeah. Um, relative to their friend, <laughs> who's a YouTube star, <laughs> who they watch, the, who they like, they basically wake up with every morning and watch her video of her, you know, doing makeup or her fashion that day um, from her apartment. So they feel like they're friends with that person versus, you know, someone on the screen is is very distant. Yeah. No. That that totally makes sense, and and, and that's why I think what you guys are doing is really interesting to me because. You're, you're kind of on the cutting edge of, of, of this kind of how to monetize this stuff because you're right, like a lot of those, yeah, okay, they might make YouTube ad revenue, but they are recommending stuff all the time, right? And mm-hmm. traditionally, how you track that was pretty archaic, right? Right, still. Yeah. And many times still, yeah. 
so I, I'm curious then, how do you guys monetize Magic Links? Um, so we're, we, we are very straightforward with creators. It's a 70-30 revenue share with creators. Okay. Um, so, um, and that also aligns our interests. So um, anything, any money that's made, a creator makes 70% of it. Right. Um, and so what that lets us do is go to a specific brand, right? So say, um, and, and basically create a win for everybody. Sure. So if we work with a brand, um, uh, and, and maybe I can take an example of like Best Buy as a brand that people know. Sure. Um, and let's say they pay a really low commission rate on their TVs cause they have a really low, uh, margin on sure. their TVs. Right. Um, but we can go to Best Buy and say, you know, there's several thousand people, creators on YouTube who use Magic Links, and we know the, the value of their traffic is really hard, high. Mm-hmm. And so we can bring Best Buy scale to many YouTubers all at once. Right. Um, and, and Best Buy should be willing to pay more for that. Um, and in many cases, brands are, especially when they see the metrics um, of, of, you know, the value of, essentially a young millennial audience um, coming to them through through YouTube or through Instagram or through Facebook or through any of these social channels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really valuable audience and it's a, it's a win for everybody. So then, then we can convince a brand to pay more and then 70% of that all passes down to the creator. No, that's great. And like from, from my understanding, you guys have some really big brands already that you guys have partnered with. You, you mentioned a few, but do you maybe want to mention um, a few others that you guys are, have kind of partnered with, just so the listener kind of fully understands the magnitude that you guys have already are already working with? Yeah, absolutely. So there's more than a thousand uh, top tier retail brands who are already live on Magic Links. Wow. So um, and it's everyone from you know Nordstrom and Sephora and Anthropology and Walmart and you know Home Depot and Lululemon. Um, and then also in jet.com, right. And target. Um, so any, any, almost any big brand you can think of is, is, uh, a partner on magic links and is, um, you know, able is a participant in this type of model. Um, and then, and then there's also niche retailers. So in the gaming space, there's a company called evil controllers. Okay. Um, that's basically like, <laughs> it's like a tricked out <laughs> controller. That's great. Um, customized tricked out controller. And then, you know, in the in the makeup space, we have a brand called Tatcha, which is um, a fairly new brand that's kind of inspired by uh, geishas in, Jap- in Japan. Okay, interesting. Um, um, so that's like, you know, it kind of goes from the like really big retailer that everyone knows all the way down to a retailer that's small and specifically focused uh, on a niche. There's another brand called Benefit Cosmetics. Okay. Um, that's, a, that's a kind of new and up-and-coming um, cosmetics company Beautylish uh, is another. So these are brands that that um, the average consumer may not know about, but when you have this micro audience uh, that's around a specific creator, um, so in evil controllers, like a young woman doing makeup probably doesn't know what that is. Sure. But a young game, a young gamer, like knows evil controllers and yep. loves the brand and is like, can't well, you know, like the opportunity to get an evil controller would just be awesome. 
Sure. And, and I'm sure there's some adults that know that brand as well. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> For any of the gamer audience, yeah, you can be of any age and enjoy a game. <laughs> I love that, though. No, that's great. Like, I, I think that's what's kind of... And, like, put itself my kind of selfish interest in, in what you guys are doing. I think what's interesting, and, and another reason I really wanted to have you on the show, is to get people that are maybe not a millennial and, and older than that um, to understand kind of why the people that are in the space that you guys are playing in are really relevant and can really build their brand, right? And I think a lot of brands, uh, and it sounds like you've had some struggles just trying to even tell brands that like, this is a real thing and you need to, you can really capitalize and monetize on this market. And you know, and, and I just kind of wanted to have you on the show to, again, kind of put that message out there to say, like, look, like, there's a lot of teenagers that could care less about kind of traditional people that are popular. They care about these people that are big online, right? Yeah. So it's really, I mean, I, I think in our world today, right, we are absolutely bombarded with information and signal, yeah. right? So even, <laughs> I love to, I love to you know, kind of share contextually, right? But you and I have been talking for maybe 30 minutes or so. Yep. Um, and probably just between the two of us, you know, we probably received like, I don't know, 10,000 pieces of information. If you add up like emails, maybe text messages, automated alerts, things that are coming through, maybe like a weather signal, maybe a phone message, right? So there's just, we, we are absolutely bombarded with information and and cell phones are are a big you know kind of pro and con around that there's a lot you can do but there's also a lot of signal that you get sure um and so the most valuable thing in the world today i think is attention oh very Uh, much yeah and it's like right do 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 you have the attention of someone (laughs) yeah and you see it even at such a micro level if you're sitting down at lunch and and you're with a couple of people and someone has their phone you don't really have their attention it's not it's a different conversation than if the phone is put away sure um and so getting back to like why this young why this space is so valuable for brands is that young people their attention is spent on youtube yep um the, the, the medium of essentially storytelling um, that happens through, you know, through a video is much more compelling than anything that's written um, or a blog post or, or a text message even, right? To like see and hear and get all the pieces of human, human communication that come through on a video um, is where people's attention is. And so being a part of that attention is really valuable for brands. Totally. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. It's 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 interesting, right? And I think, too, like if if anybody listening is kind of trying to target um, a younger demographic you, and they're not spending a bunch of time online, you really need to. Yeah, I mean, you should be you should be kind of um, playing with the toys that your target demographic is playing with. Yeah, um, I, I saw a, a great post from uh, I think Gary Vaynerchuk okay yeah um, recently where he was talking about you know it's not enough to sort of say oh yeah like I, I understand Instagram like no you have to be on the platform and playing with it to yeah, really yeah. understand how others are using it 
Yeah, and it, and and still, like I think it's a little trial and error on the different platforms as well, right? You got to see what content works and doesn't work on those platforms. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, and it, um, it's no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah, I was I was gonna say, you know, the other side is is kind of on the on the creator side. Okay. Um. So as people are, you know, as people are thinking about kind of like how do they get started as a creator, or is there room to be a creator? Um. I, I think of a couple things. I think, you know, number one, it's there's never really been a better time in the history of our world to be a creator because totally. there are these right these social platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. You put that content out there, it can be in the hands of a billion people in days. Yep. Um, it, and especially, it, I mean, that's not going to happen for most people, but if it's really, really, really compelling content, that's exactly what happens right now. Totally. Um, and, uh, and then, and then also, right. Like, is, can you make a living from it? And, um, I think a lot of people as creators, um, early on get, can get tied up in like, well, you know, how do I get a brand sponsor? How do I get, you know, a brand to pay me for what I'm doing? Um, and, and in my mind, that's, I mean, that is a part of the business and it is part of something that you want to create. Um, but you can also have these other platforms. I think, you know, Magic Links is a great tool to, um, you know, kind of help get started and, and like earn that income as you're getting started. And then also you can start to learn, you know, hey, my audience is, you know, they love the speakers that I was talking about, but the like, you know, the <clears throat> the new shoes that I was talking about, nobody was really interested in that. Yeah. Um, that gives you really important data and feedback on the type of content that you're creating and what's resonating with your fans. And then you can, you know, do more of what your fans love. No, totally. And I think the other thing to mention too, and, and like this is from my own experience, is it takes a while to build up a following and you're kind of always building your following, right? And you're always kind of growing it, right? And I think it's important that like if you don't, if it doesn't happen overnight that you get all these, you know, this traction, like you need to keep at it for a while, right? And like you mentioned, you need to, a little bit of trial and error. You're like, well, I'll try this and oh, that post didn't work, so I'm going to write more like this because those posts have been more popular, right? So it, it's it's a little bit of a trial and error thing. But I think trial and error is almost like on and offline in, in kind of anything career-wise, you need to be a lot of trial and error to see what works and doesn't work, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's been my own yeah. experience anyway. Absolutely. And I think, and such an important ingredient of that too is persistence. Yeah. Um, you know, just like, like not giving up after the first time or the 10th time or the hundredth time that, you know, something doesn't work the way you want it to just that continued kind of engagement. Um, and as a creator, that's, you know, content driven. And obviously as a business, right. We, when we were, you know, just starting out, there, there were a lot of brand conversations that we even, we couldn't even have a conversation with a retailer. Right. Um, or we'd have it with them and they, they were, you know, at that point in time, like they didn't fully understand it or we didn't have enough scale or there was some reason not to move forward. And then, but that persistence is like, okay, well, let's talk in three months or let's talk in six months or let's revisit a year from now. Um, and, and that, you know, kind of persistence can really pay off. Um, and I think that's just, you know, that's a, that's almost a life thing. Uh, that applies to whether you're a creator or a business or a brand or anything. Uh, just that, you know, kind of persistence in the trial and error is so important to, 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 you know, take you where you want to go. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And that's kind of been um, my experience with pretty much 
you know, anything I've kind of done is like you, I still hear no from people when I reach out to them to be on the show. And, you know, I don't really take it personally anymore. Like it kind of bugged me before, but you're right. But then like six months later, you might reach out to them again and they're like, sure, of course. Yeah. Right? And like, it, it's, if you really want something, you kind of need to figure out how to make it happen. And it might not happen overnight. It might take months. It might take years. But like, you're right. Like, it's just being persistent with this stuff, right? And and not getting down on yourself and, you know, almost like picking yourself back up. Like, there's been days where I, you know, don't write back to email for a couple of days because it's like, oh, that was kind of yep. sucky that that didn't happen. But, you yep. know, you pick yourself <laughs> back up and you you go for it again, right? And you you try some other angle. And it's it's, I think that's inspiring to people because I think like, what really got me thinking about it is you start talking to really successful people and, you know, even the conversation we're just having right now is like, you, you guys are obviously really successful. You've closed big brands that everybody's heard of, but to your point, like it didn't happen overnight. Right. And it took you three, six months to close some of these. And I think that's inspiring to people that are, you know, maybe starting out or kind of have a new product that they're trying to get going like it takes a while and i think it's important that people like yourself mention that right and to keep people yeah. kind of motivated and kind of pick themselves back up if it if they had a kind of a crummy week or month or quarter you know that it it will get better as you kind of persist with this thing so one of the favorite things i love to think about and that is you know um Sometimes I'll hear from people, oh, I'm, you know, I'm too old to start that. Okay. It might be like, I'm too, I'm too old to start a YouTube channel or an Instagram channel or, or something like that. Um, so Ray Kroc was 63 years old when he started McDonald's. Right. And, and right. That's like, it's such a powerful thing that you can, you can always start. You can always, um, you're never really too old to do anything. Um, totally. maybe, maybe at 63, you're not, you know, mountain climbing or jumping off a cliff, but then there's also people who are doing that at that age. Totally. Um, and so, so I think that, yeah, I, I think, you know, so many, so many times in, um, so Taki Westbrook is a big, uh, YouTube star in the beauty space. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I heard her keynote at a conference recently and, and, you know, she was saying, you know, she now has, I think over 2 million subscribers. But I think hers has been, it's like a four or five year journey. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and really like it was, you know, you, the first 10, you know, she talks about kind of the first time she did a video, she was horrified at what she created, totally embarrassed about it. Like put it up, two people watch it and it's like, oh my gosh, this is awful, you know? Sure. Um, and, and that experience, she had to keep working at it, keep fine tuning, keep getting up, going through all those times that are more challenging than others. Um, and then, and then, you know, at a certain point, you kind of get a break here, a break there. And then, and then like, she gets to this point where then like all of a sudden the snowball's rolling fast downhill and she goes from like, you know, 500,000 subscribers to 2 million in a period of just a few months. Yeah. Um, totally. and that, and, and then, but then the challenge is too, right? So many people look at that and they're like, Oh, Tati, she's famous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, Oh, well she's, she's successful. She's made it. And she's like, no, like I, you know, from her perspective, she's like, I scraped for years to, to put this together and it's not an easy thing. And so many times we tell ourselves that something isn't doable and really, you know, if you tell yourself that you're right. And if you tell yourself that it is doable, you're also right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, it took you five years to become an overnight success. 
Or in her case, I yes. guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no I, I think that's great. And um, But, Brian, we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So maybe let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and uh, Magic Links. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. Um, so Magic Links is uh, – we're, we're at uh, www.magiclinks.org. Um, or you can search for magic links on Google and we'll, we'll pop up. Sure. Um, we also have, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook accounts. Um, but the main, the main place to find us is, is at our website at magiclinks.org. Um, we also have a number of, uh, uh, videos on our YouTube channel. Um, and really, you know, so, um, magic links, I'll, I'll just kind of give the really quick overview of what sure. we are again. Um, we empower creators with tools for authentic social commerce to make it really easy for a creator to curate uh, products that they love, share it with their fans, and earn income if and when their fans shop, um, and provide kind of a third tier of commerce. So in addition to sponsorship revenue you might get as a creator or platform revenue that would come from like YouTube, um, there's also this social commerce piece that Magic Links empowers. Sure, man. Well, that that's great, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day. Okay, thank you so much, Kevin. It's been an honor and a pleasure. All right, we'll talk soon. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them for the future.